0: Well, hello church. Glad you could join us. Uh, I know a lot of you are gathered around your TV or laptop. Some of you may have your phone. Um, and it's kind of amazing. I was thinking about this earlier this week that if we were in the situation we are now, even 20 years ago, what we're trying to do wouldn't have been possible. We just would have had to put the, uh, lock the doors and then come back and maybe make some phone calls. I don't know. So, uh, so there are some silver linings, I suppose, to our current situation. Um, and it's not the same as being here in person. i got to tell you, as a, as a speaker, I love having an audience. And so it's definitely different. Uh, but there are some, some uh, you know, silver linings to that as well. So, for example, some of you are probably watching in your, your pajamas right now. Um, some of you can pause it. Uh, you can even fast-forward it if I'm saying something you don't like. Um, But maybe even more importantly, one of the things that I have been blown away to see that even just for a church like ours, a small church in the Twin Cities, uh, we've been able to have a reach that's beyond Minnesota, beyond Wisconsin, people being able to tune in uh, and be a part of what our church family is doing. And I think that's pretty incredible. And I think it validates that ancient truth that we, we so often forget that the church is not the building and it never was. About The building it's so much more So today we're going to jump right in the deep end Um, We ended the service last week with this quote from Mark Twain where he said it's probably apocryphal But he said it's not the parts of scripture that I don't understand that bother me. It's the parts. I do understand And so last week we talked about those confusing places in Scripture that can be a roadblock to our faith. So some people struggle with asking questions about uh, did a fish really swallow a man? Did a snake really talk? But maybe, honestly, the real struggle are the clear parts of the Bible. The parts that we know exactly what God is getting at and exactly what God is saying. So in other words, maybe we don't get tripped up by a talking snake, but we do get tripped up By Being expected to love our enemies and so the series premise has been this the Bible doesn't work like we expect But the real struggle with scripture isn't what we expect of the Bible, but what the Bible Expects of us and I think that that's probably fairly true for a lot of us It's not so much the things that we find strange. It's the things that we find clear It's not that we don't know and can't figure it out. It's that we do know and find it difficult so we're gonna start in hebrews chapter 4 verse 12 if you have your bibles or you can turn on your phone or you can just read along with me on the screen here hebrews chapter 4 verse 12 says this for the word of god is alive and active it's sharper than any double-edged sword it penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit joints and marrow it judges the thoughts and intents of the heart Now if you are preaching a sermon about the Bible, you are contractually obligated to use this verse, it seems like. You just have to talk about what the author of Hebrews said in Hebrews chapter 4 about how the Bible operates. Um, And I think that we are familiar with this verse. We're familiar with the concept. We kind of have the idea. But I think that there's um, a danger of missing something. Those of you with young children, have you ever given your child a donut? A donut? and they just eat the sprinkles off the top. They don't really care about the dough part of the donut. They just want the frosting, and they just want the sprinkles, because the sprinkles are the exciting part. But the problem is, is that when you just eat the sprinkles, you're missing out on the full experience of the donut, and honestly, you're ruining the actual donut, because then Dad can't eat it after that, because who wants to eat that? I think that there's a similar approach to Scripture when people just want to mine the Bible for the exciting verses, and they miss out on the full experience of what God is trying to communicate to us through Scripture. And often, honestly, you ruin the meaning of the verse. And I think today's passage, Hebrews 4.12, is a perfect example of that sprinkles-only mentality that tends to miss out on the bigger meaning. So I want to take us through just a little bit of an exercise today as we look at Hebrews 4:12. I want us to spend some time kind of making our way to that verse from the preceding verses to try to get an idea of what the author was trying to communicate. So if you just scroll back one verse, Hebrews chapter 4, verse 11. This is what the author writes. He says, "Let us therefore make every effort to enter that rest." Hold on to that phrase. That's important so that no one will perish by following their example of disobedience. Now, as you read that scripture, you're probably aware that, hey, we're coming in on the end of some conversation. There's a culmination of an entire flow of thought. For two chapters, the author has been reminding the reader, the hearer, of their own history, of the history of the Hebrew people. It's their collective story. And he's taking them through a history lesson, reminding them of who they are and some of the significant events of their past. Now, every culture has stories that inform that culture. For Americans, it's George Washington, the revolution, independence, Harriet Tubman, the Underground Railroad, leading slaves to freedom, World War II soldiers storming the beaches at Normandy. We name our schools after these people. We make statues of these people. We make movies about these people. Because their stories, their choices, their actions shape us. They shape our collective cultural narrative. And we want to highlight the things that they've done in order to inspire us to make those sorts of choices. Now, maybe it's not some historical figure uh, like one of these three. Maybe it's fictional stories. Um, If you grew up in my generation... Every kid, I just have to think, every kid dreamed of being Luke Skywalker or Leia. Nobody wanted to be Darth Vader. For some reason, that's an option now for kids when they dress up for Halloween. But back in the day, nobody wanted to be Darth Vader or a stormtrooper. You wanted to be the hero. And even just the notes of that musical score, hearing the first notes of that song. <laughs> Brings goosebumps. It all comes flooding back. It brings to mind heroism and bravery and good and evil. It brings to mind that story. And as you know, a six or seven or eight-year-old, you are inspired by that. Our culture is shaped by those stories, whether historical or fictional, because we highlight these virtues that we want our our us and our children to emulate. We are shaped by those stories. Now, there's something similar happening in this chapter of the book of Hebrews the author who's anonymous we're never told who it is the author is is trying to call to mind their collective stories and he's just playing the opening notes of the score he doesn't have to tell them the whole story because as soon as he says a few keywords they know exactly what he's talking about and so when when he says enter that rest Everything he's playing the the first beginning uh, it's the first few words of the story and it all comes flooding back for them So in Hebrews 4 when he says let us therefore make every effort to enter that rest So that no one will perish by following their example of disobedience He's calling to mind a specific moment in this story and let me give you the 10 cent quick version Some of you may know it already, but I'll just try to summarize it quickly this is such a good story that i think if i'm counting right there's at least four big budget hollywood blockbusters made about this biblical story so god sends moses to rescue his people from slavery in egypt he's leading them to the land of rest and that's why that word is important he's leading them to the land of promise the land of rest where will there'll be a peace from their slavery they'll be at peace from their enemies that's the idea That's the goal but they immediately run into the Red Sea and God says don't worry I'll protect you and he parts the sea then they come to Mount Sinai and they're terrified because the presence of God settles on the mountain and God says don't worry I will guide you and he gives them his commandments and then they run out of the food and water and God says I will provide for you and he gives them manna and quail in the wilderness and so God proves himself over the course of years over and over and over again, he proves himself, himself to these people. Now they finally, finally get to the border of the promised land of rest. And Moses says, okay, I need 10, 12 guys. You guys enter into the land. You check everything out. They go into the land. They're searching things out. They're checking, like, where's the, where am I going to live? Where am I going to build my house? Where am I going to raise my family? And then when they come back, 10 of them say, it's absolutely homeless. Oh, hopeless <laughs> we've come this far for nothing uh, the enemies that we have to face they're, they're giants they're going to crush us our only option and they say this literally our only option is to die it's basically the worst halftime speech ever given in fact numbers chapter 14 verse 1 says this that night all the members of the community raised their voices and wept aloud everybody's crying everybody's weeping All the Israelites grumbled against Moses and Aaron, and the whole assembly said to them, If only we had died in Egypt or in this wilderness. But two, two of them said, You know what? Okay, yes, the enemy is big. It does look daunting, but God is on our side. I think this is fascinating. If you read the story in the book of Numbers, the uh, Bible lists the names of every single one of those 12 spies. But you only know two of them. We don't know who Egal is. We don't know who Palty is. We've never heard of them. We're not going to name our children after them because they're weak-willed, whiny, and faithless. And at the first sign of danger, they just melt into a puddle of panic. They're not the heroes of the story. And the author of Hebrews, in Hebrews chapter 4, has been telling them this story and saying, do not be like those people. Be Harriet Tubman be Luke Skywalker, be Joshua, be Caleb. That's the whole conversation up to this point. Don't be those weak, panicky, faithless people who saw God keep his promises, but then melt as soon as trouble shows its face. Do not follow their example of disobedience. That's what Hebrews chapter 4, verse 11 says. I think we've got to be really honest with ourselves. Can any of us see ourselves in this story? God has provided over and over and over. He has answered prayer after prayer after prayer. Yet when we face uncertainty, panic, doom, what is going to happen? I've uh, told this story before, so if you've heard it, forgive me. I'm young and I only have so many stories. My uh, high school all- had two formal banquets every year. They had one in the fall and one in the spring. And my first year at this school was my senior year of high school. So this is kind of what my one chance to have this sort of um, typical, prototypical high school experience. I found this girl that I thought was pretty cool. I swallowed my fear, I asked her to the banquet, and much to my surprise, she said yes. Wow, okay, that did wonders for my self-confidence, wonders, for about five days, because five days later, she came to me and she said, you know, Patrick, um, I heard that this other guy might ask me, and if he does, I'm going to go with him, I'm going to say yes to him. Now, if we were live in the room, I would definitely expect some sympathetic looks or maybe just pathetic looks. I don't know, but I'm not making this up. This is a true story. It sounds like something from like a Disney movie or something. He was the tall, good-looking captain of the basketball team. No joke. I was the 12th man on an 11-man team. So anytime they had to take the team somewhere and they couldn't take the whole team, guess who had to stay behind? That was me. I was expendable this was brutal. Patrick, I will go with you unless. Do you realize we do that to God all the time? This is exactly what this passage in Hebrews is talking about. Generosity. Think about this, church. Generosity sounds like a great idea unless things begin to look a little scarce. I can be patient and kind and tolerant unless somebody expresses an opinion I don't like on Facebook. Forgiveness? Yes, absolutely, no problem, unless someone actually hurts or offends me. I, I want to be real here for a minute. I want to think about, as a church, what would Jesus say in the age of COVID-19? When, if he were to sit down with us, maybe six feet away, what would he say to us? Yes, absolutely, he would comfort us. He would say, do not fear. He would say, take heart. I have overcome the world. But Jesus would challenge us. He would say something like, you love the people you agree with? Great. Love the people you think are ignorant. He would say something like, hey, don't go to the grocery store and hoard ground beef, which will spoil. He would, he would say, hoard treasures in heaven. That's what he would say. He would say, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink. Isn't life more than frozen pizza and canned soup? He would say, if you have toilet paper and your neighbor asks for a roll, give him two. That's what he would say. He would say, don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow has enough trouble of its own. And here's the thing. He would say those things because that is what he said. Following Jesus seems great, Unless it gets difficult or costly or even for some of us mildly inconvenient Have you thought about this moment right now? The moment that we are in as a church as a state as a nation This is not the time to see how our obedience can be redefined in order to make it more convenient for us This is a time to see what our trust is really, truly made of. Listen, obedience in the face of uncertainty is the evidence of your trust in God. Are we one of those nameless spies who looked at this this nation and say, there's no chance, there's no way, or are we Joshua and Caleb? That's the question being asked of us today. Now, some of you may find that a little upsetting or challenging. Good. Because that means now you're ready for Hebrews chapter 4 verse 12. Hebrews 4.12 says this. For the word of God is alive and it is active. It is sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit. Joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and intents of the heart. Those of you that know my wife know that she is a wise, insightful Person and I know what you're thinking if that is true, then why did she pick you? We all have our weak moments. I get it, but honestly she can read minds. She certainly can read my mind early in our marriage um, She had made cookies and the plan was to distribute the cookies to a variety of people at our church now, those were the cookies that you see here where you put that Hershey's Kiss right in the middle, and you can just imagine. I mean, this is, this is perfect. It's, the smell is wafting around the house. I just assumed that I would get to eat a cookie or two just kind of as, like, whatever tax, you know, for living in the house with her. I was really looking forward to it. But Corrine, who can read minds unprompted, said, just so you know, Patrick, there aren't enough cookies for you to have any. I'm highly offended cruel. This is unjust. How in the world can you do this to me? I didn't say any of that, but I'm thinking, hmm. She takes the pan out of the oven. She sets it on the counter to let them cool. The aroma is everywhere. It's just ridiculous. I can't handle it. Then she makes what I think is a crucial mistake. She says, I have to run to the store. I forgot the boxes to put them in uh, to send them out. And I immediately think, perfect. This is the perfect opportunity because the cookies are unattended. I'll wait till she's gone. She'll never notice that just one is gone. It's the perfect crime. I'll never know when, when, all the way around. She's gathering her keys to head out the door and says, don't eat the cookies. And I'm thinking, okay, sure, but still, you'll never know. I'm still thinking I'm going to eat a cookie. She steps out of the doorway and then leans back in and says, just so you know, I counted. Because she can read my mind. She can see deep inside Patrick. Corrine is sharper than any double-edged sword. She divides soul and spirit, joints and marrow. She judges the thoughts and the attitudes of Patrick's heart. This verse is telling us that every corner of our lives is subject to the authority, scrutiny, and shaping of Scripture. There is no part of your human experience that should not be impacted by the scriptures. No joint, no thought, no part of your soul that is exempt. Your political beliefs, your career choices, your Facebook posts, your Facebook likes, your Facebook comments should all be guided by scripture. Scripture is designed to dig deep into the interior of our hearts and show us what is going on inside there to shape us God is trying to form us through the word Simultaneously, there are other forces that are trying to form us The bible refers to these forces as the world And when I say the world it may bring to mind to you this This, like, bygone era. Oh, yes, I recall my preacher back in the day. He used to talk about worldliness. It's arcane, maybe even quaint, like Victorian or something. Romans 12, 2 says, do not be conformed to the world. It was a biblical concept. Jesus talked about the world endlessly in the book of John, over and over. And the idea is, is that the world is telling you a different story than the Word, Well, how the world is trying to shape us is trying to produce a different result than the word. The world is forming us, our family of origin, your parents, your grandparents, your spouse, your geography, because people from one part of the world often think differently than people from another part of the world. Our friendships, the news, the things we accept and the things we tune out, the things we reject, all those things are trying to shape us. And, and some of you are saying, oh, that's fine. No, no problem. I am not easily influenced. I know what I think. I know what I believe. I'm not going to be like wafting around like someone who doesn't know what they believe. You would like to think that, I know. Let me give you uh, a quick example. Now, maybe this isn't you, but I think it broadly applies to a lot of us. Every single person that I've talked to is shocked By the fact that stores seem to be out of toilet paper 24-7. They're completely shocked. Everybody I've talked to is like, who's buying up all the toilet paper? Nobody knows who's buying all the toilet paper. Because every store is sold out every time you go there. So, manufacturers tell us, there's plenty. We're making plenty. We're making more than plenty. Distributors tell us, hey, we're getting it to the stores, and we're bringing lots of toilet papers to the stores. Even stores limit how much toilet paper you can buy. You can only buy one packet uh, at a time now. So, there aren't people driving around from store to store filling up their pickup trucks with toilet paper. This means this is what's happening. People who are surprised that the toilet paper is sold out, happen into the store at just the right time. Now, they don't need toilet paper, but because they have been influenced by the news or Facebook posts, they think, well, I don't actually need it right now, but I better go ahead and buy a pack of toilet paper just so I have it, just in case. Because they have been influenced by the images and the things that they've seen. It's the exact same people who are shocked that the toilet paper is sold out. Who's buying all the toilet paper that are buying the toilet paper? We're influenced by our current situation. Now, I know this is true because I did this. I was in target about two weeks ago and i had heard a bunch of people are buying up toilet paper and i happened to see toilet paper on the shelf and i thought that's like striking oil that's like finding gold and so i bought one pack of toilet paper and i put it in my cart and i thought oh look at me i'm not subject to influence like everybody else and i did the exact same thing everybody else was doing my wife was so annoyed with me so i guess what i'm saying is if you get desperate I will toss you a roll of toilet paper from a distance further than six feet if you need it The world is the the world is Formational and the Bible is Counter-formational the world is telling one story the Bible is telling a different story It's trying to form in us a different narrative Let me give you a crystal-clear example that doesn't have to do with toilet paper the story of the world, the story the world is trying to shape in us is this. If someone should strike you on the right cheek, then you are entirely justified in striking them back. In fact, the world might even consider it morally and ethically right to strike them back. In fact, the world might look at you and say you lack common sense if you do not strike them back. How can you stand not stand up for yourself? The world would say you must strike them back. In fact, there are entire genres of movies that are all about revenge. Something bad happens to the good guy, and the good guy spends the rest of the movie taking revenge on the bad guys. And we in the audience are cheering for the quote-unquote good guy to strike back that's the story the world is forming in us and scripture is counter formational Matthew chapter 5 verse 39 you know this verse do not resist an evil person if anyone slaps you on the right cheek turn to them the other cheek also now remember it's not the things that we don't understand that bother us it's the things that we do because some of you right now are thinking about the exceptions but what if Turn the other cheek unless. Scripture is counter-formational, and this is important. Because Scripture is counter-formational, it is counter-intuitive, meaning the things that it is asking you to do do not seem obvious or self-evident. Because Scripture is counterintuitive, it requires an act of trust to obey it. Do I trust God enough to do this thing? Do I trust God to turn the other cheek, or do I trust the world to punch the guy back in the face? Let's wrap up with this. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 13. This is the next verse. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and exposed before the eyes of him to whom we must give account. You should note, you notice how he switched from the word of God to God in the, in, in the same concept. He's, he's telling us something incredibly important about how valuable the word of God is. For the last couple of weeks, we've been recording our sermons, Uh, you know, on Sunday mornings, like many of you, I sit in my living room and I watch the service with my family. We take communion together, Um, but it's not a fun experience. Because it's not fun to see yourself on screen. It's not fun to see yourself in HD. And honestly, the first time we watched it, I told my wife, I was like, is that what you guys have to look at every single Sunday? I'm so sorry. You need to hire a better looking preacher. I mean, can we put a filter on this? Can we get a worse camera so it's a little bit more blurry? I mean, what could we do? What's the opposite of HD? I mean, we don't want to make this better. Can we make this worse? But here's the thing God's Word will expose the reality of who we are and it exposes the reality of who we are in Ultra 4k high-def and you know what sometimes the picture is not pretty What we see in ourselves what what the Word of God reveals in us is not a pretty sight and it's no wonder That Sometimes we don't want to sit down and read our Bibles. It's not because we don't understand it It's because we're afraid we're gonna see in that that perfect law of liberty that mirror that James talks about something that we don't like It exposes our weaknesses. It exposes our selfishness Why would I want to read something that exposes my flaws and my problems? I want to hide those. I want to sweep those under the rug but God's goal is is not to get us to feel bad about ourselves. Not at all. In fact, you could say it's just the opposite. He wants us to be honest with our failures and shortcomings so that he can forgive. But if we are unwilling to admit, if we are unwilling to be exposed by the word of God, then how is God supposed to take that sin and root it out of our lives? Let's read this passage of Scripture in its in, the the last three verses as we wrap up this morning Hebrews 4 11 through 13 Let us therefore make every effort to enter that rest so that no one will perish by following their example of disobedience The hebrew people in the wilderness for the word of god is alive and it is active It is sharper than any any double-edged sword it penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit joints and marrow It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart nothing in all creation is hidden from god's sight nothing Everything is uncovered and exposed before the eyes of him to whom we must give account before the eyes of him Who wants to forgive us if we are willing to admit and repent and come to him for forgiveness. That's what it's all about. I Hope that as you navigate this uncertain situation That you will realize that we have certain truths to which God still holds us accountable God is still asking us to love our neighbor and, and God is still asking us to love our enemy and God is still asking us to be generous. Those things have not changed because of the circumstances in which we find ourselves. And I pray that we as a church family would be shining lights because of the way that we have responded to what we're, we're being allowed to go through. All right. Join us next week. Uh, that will be the last sermon in this rebellious Bible series. Uh, We're going to explore what I hope are some helpful, practical tips for digging into God's word and absolutely letting it transform us. Let's pray.